So we're in part two of a series called Missing the Point. We're going through Luke chapter 11. And uh, if you were here with us last week, the whole point of this sermon is if you look through the book of Luke chapter 11, you'll discover that Jesus is asked a question and in the question is, uh, is an assumption and Jesus has to correct that assumption. And so a lot of times when people ask him questions and Jesus teaches and they think, I think I understand what you're saying, Jesus is like, no, I think you're still missing the point. And so chapter 11 is filled with like these things. I just want to give you a quick recap of what happened last week. So last week, Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 14. And the question was, how do we pray? And Jesus' response was, prayer isn't just you get your way on what you want. That prayer first transforms you. And then once you're transformed, then at that point, God says, I'll start working on the circumstances. It's a two-way thing. It's not just God give me some money or give me this relationship or make this work or make that happen. What we discovered is Jesus is more interested in transforming us so that we are ready to receive the changes that God is going to bring in the circumstances around you. It's not, it's not just one way. You know, that's what, so that's what we learned. He said, God, Jesus said, you guys are missing the point. Prayer isn't just so you get your way. Prayer is there also to transform you. So today, we're going to be looking at the next section of Luke, and the question that we're going to bring up is this. How do we fix the divisions in our world? How do we fix the divisions in our world? And if you're wondering, well, what does that mean? Just look around, and you'll see a lot of ways that people divide themselves, amongst, like whether if it's race, gender, um, perspectives on certain issues, politically, uh, schools, uh, you know, like you could think of any topic and you'll be like, okay, yeah, that's the reason to divide or draw a line right here. That's the reason to not associate with that group of people. There's so many divisions in our world. And the question that Jesus, I believe, is trying to answer in this section is this question of how do we fix the divisions in our relationships and the groups that we're a part of? How do we fix that? Now, before we jump into this, I want to give you some warning on what we're going to talk about today. Um, first, we're going to be talking about demons, and what that means for some of you is, okay, that's just too crazy. You know, this church thing was cool until today, but you know, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to talk about demons. Okay, so we will be talking about demons briefly because what Jesus talks about is about a person who was demon possessed. Okay, so that's the first thing. Secondly, Jesus uses a Jewish way of teaching, and it's very different from the way we talk today. And so, um, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I encourage you guys to go home and listen to this or watch this on our website again and again until you understand. Because if you don't understand it, it's my fault. Because I'm trying my best to explain everything that's happening in this story, but I, I have this doubt that maybe even that is not enough. So the only remedy I have for this is you can ask me questions afterwards, or you can just listen to this over and over and over again until you're like, okay, fine, I get it. I don't need to listen to it anymore. Okay, so if you get lost, I'm just letting you know you're not alone. It's probably my fault that you get lost. Okay. Yep. Amen. Okay. Here we go. So here we go. Chapter 11, verse 14. This is how the story starts. Jesus was striving at a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke and the crowd was amazed. Okay. So there's a person who can't talk and Jesus says, oh, I know what the issue is here. The issue here isn't that you're just mute. There's a demon inside of you that's causing you not being able to talk. So I'm going to cast out that demon. And in some circles, we call that exorcism. He's casting out a demon, and after he does that, he's able to speak all of a sudden. It's like, oh, hey, I'm cured. This is great. And everybody around there, were, they were amazed, and this is a good thing. Because when a person who can't talk starts talking, that's a good thing. But there's a twist in the story, and this is the part right here. But some of them said, by Bilzebul, and I'll, like, let me spend 30 seconds talking about Bilzebul here. 
Beelzebul is a nickname that people give in the devil. Okay, and, and maybe some of your translations, it doesn't say Beelzebul if you have a different version of the, of the Bible. Maybe it says Beelzebub with a B at the end. And that's also acceptable. But basically, that's like a play on a name that, uh, let's put it this way. Beelzebul means the, the Lord Prince. That's what they call this satanic force, right? But if you put a B at the end, it means Lord of the Flies. Or if I could say so in church, I would say the Lord of the Crap. <laughs> so, okay, so they're like, hey, if you just add a B to the end of this, then hey, we can make fun of it. So, so that's what this story is. So when they say Bilzable, they're, giving, they're not acknowledging the demonic power with its proper name. They're just kind of making fun of it. So they say, hey, you work for Bilzable. Bills by, by Bilzable, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Jesus is casting out a demon, okay? And the people who are watching are saying, this is great. But there's another group of people, which we know they're called the Pharisees. Here in this story, they don't identify them as Pharisees. But in other parts of the Bible, they identify this group as Pharisees. These Pharisees, these religious people, these people are looking at Jesus, casting out demons, saying, ah, you're doing that with the power of the devil. And everybody's like, oh, until now we thought it was a good thing, but now we have doubt that this is actually a bad thing. So the people who are watching says this, others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. I want you to prove to us, Jesus, that what you're doing is actually a good thing that you're doing this by the power of God, not by the power of the devil. Okay, so right here, I'm going to kind of stop this story and give you a picture of what's going through the mind of the Pharisees who are judging Jesus as you're on the devil's side. Okay, so let's show you. Okay, so in that circle, we have Jesus, who's on the team of the demon, and we have the Pharisees who claim to be on the side of God, right? And they're saying, team Pharisee for the win, Jesus is on team demons, so you don't cheer for him, you cheer for us. That's, that's what's happening here. They're drawing a line, right? And this is not a proper worldview. This is just a worldview that they have in their heads. These, these Pharisees are saying, and trying to convince the people around them, this is what's really happening. And the reason why this is relevant to us today is because I know in some circles, in a lot of churches actually, they're quick to demonize the people who are on the other side of that line, Right? It's like, oh, that church doesn't agree with us? Well, that church is heretical. That church is this, or maybe not even a church. Like, hey, that organization, that group over there who's doing this and this and that, they don't agree with our church, so that's demonic. So this is what's happening. There's a group of people who call themselves the Pharisees who say we're on the side of God. Now, the reason why this is so important to them is because everything that the Pharisees claim to be a work of God that they're doing, okay, is actually opposite of what Jesus is doing. So, for example, these Pharisees are saying, the most important thing is to keep ourselves holy, to keep ourselves clean. And for that reason, we've got to make sure that the people who don't do these good things stay far away from us as possible. So when it comes to prostitutes, you guys stay over there. We'll have our holy huddle over here. When it comes to tax collectors, you guys hang out over there. Don't come near us because we're going to have our cool group over here. Meanwhile, Jesus is over here hanging out with all the people who are considered to be sinners. You know, And so... When Jesus is hanging out with the people that these godly people are outcasting, the, the answer here is Jesus must be part of the demon group. But here's the problem. Jesus is doing some amazing stuff. Jesus is casting out demons. Jesus is doing, healing people. He's preaching sermons that are changing lives. right? And so now people over here are saying, if he could prove that he's, what he's doing is from God, then that puts us on the other side of the line. We become the demon people. 
Do you see what's happening here? They put themselves in a situation that, casts, that, that makes themselves look bad if Jesus proves himself to be good. So this is why he's trying to push Jesus onto the other side and convince the people around him that Jesus is on the bad side. So Jesus, knowing all this, next verse, he knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by buzzable. So Jesus says, you're accusing me of working with the devil? And he says, I know you're reaching really hard on this one because what you just said makes no sense. So he's going to defense mode. And he says, here's some fallacies in what you just told me. He's like, defense number one. He says, you are making no logical sense. What he's saying here is really interesting. He's saying this. Me casting out a demon and saying that I'm doing that by the power of the devil is the same as a Christian saying, I made, somebody, I made a Christian to atheist by the power of God. He's like, it makes no sense at all. Like, why would I, if I was working for the devil, right? If I was on the bad side, why would I try to cast out a demon from a human being that, God, that, that, that the devil wants on his side? Like, it makes no logical sense. So it's like, Jesus is like, you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard to, to make a case here that makes no logical sense. It's like, oh, okay. But Jesus is like, well, I have another point to make to you. This is the next verse. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. So apparently, the Pharisees had disciples who were also casting out demons. And so Jesus says, I'm casting out demons. Your disciples are casting out demons. If you're saying that I'm casting out demons by the power of the devil and accomplishing the same things that your disciples are, then in that case, wouldn't they also be in league with the devil? And by you being their teachers, aren't you the teachers of the devil? By casting judgment on me, you're casting judgment on your own people. And by casting judgment on your own people, you're casting judgment on yourself. So you're putting yourself in the same league as the devil also. So stop it right here. It's like Jesus is saying, do you see the, the, the error in the way you're thinking? So the second thing is this. The second defense is, your disciples are doing what I'm doing. Are they also on the devil's team? So do you see how Jesus kind of quickly pokes hole at their logic? Like, you guys make no sense at all, right? And so Jesus kind of leans over and says, guys, what is this really about? I mean, you're trying way too hard to implicate me of, you know, being on the wrong team. Why are you really doing this? Why are you creating these divisions here? Why, why, why? And then Jesus will probably look at this diagram again. Here, let's look at this diagram, right? He'll be looking at this and he'll be saying, this isn't what this thing is really about. It's not about God versus the demon. It's not about that. Well, what's really happening is, next slide, it's not really about God. You're not on team God. You're basically on team us. You're, you're saying these things to protect yourself, right? And I'm not really on team demon. I'm on the team people who make us look bad, right? Like the reason why he, they're reaching so hard to say that Jesus is on the demon's team, well, they're doing that because Jesus is making them look bad. They're worried that their reputation's, their reputation's on the line and Jesus is making them look bad, right? Now, there's another term for people who make us look bad, and that's this. It's called them. And we're so quick to say that people are demon-possessed or people are heretical, people who, you know, we're so quick to label the other side just because they make us look bad. 
maybe it was a relationship. You guys were dating or something like that, and th- things didn't go well. And to make yourself feel better, you started calling that other person, you started labeling them something, because it just makes you feel better about yourself. Maybe it's a group of people that prove them, themselves to be right, and that means that you're wrong, and you start labeling them something, because by doing that, it makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you're less wrong. This is exactly what's happening here. These people are so obsessed with maintaining their reputation as the right people that they're starting to say, uh, Jesus is demon-possessed. And Jesus is like, that makes no sense at all. I gave you two good reasons why, and you should just stop doing that now because you're going to dig yourself into a deeper hole, right? He's like, it's, it's a story about us versus them. These guys are coming up with these crazy categories just so that they could prove that they are right. In other words, the, the Pharisees tried to discredit Jesus to save their own reputation. All they care about is about themselves. This isn't about God versus a demon. This is about us versus them. But here's the thing. Okay, let's get that thing up there again. When it comes to us versus them, how do we deal with the them? It's human nature. How do we deal with them? If there is a threat in the room, what's the first thing you do? If somebody comes into this room, into this church, and there's somebody that does something that you're like, okay, that person is making me look bad, what's my first response as a human being? It's to do this. It's to get rid of them. Right? It's to say, let's get rid of them. We don't want, we don't want them in our picture anymore. Right? Whether if that means to embarrass the other person so they want to leave or to push them out by force, that's what's happening. And so this is exactly what these Pharisees are doing. These Pharisees are trying to push out Jesus from the picture by making him less and less popular. Like, if we could just tell people that he's working in cahoots with the devil, then, then maybe he'll h- want to hide. Maybe his followers would want, not want to follow him. Or maybe these followers would be so embarrassed to hang out with Jesus that they'll start following us. This is what's happening. And so even though this is a 2,000-year-old story, it's still very relevant today because we still do that. And most of you guys know I'm, I'm a Bruin alumni, right? And I remember when I was there, we used to have all these great slogans about USC students. Sorry, Trojans. <laughs> There's a few of you here. Okay, but yeah, right? We, I, I'm sure if I say it right now, you guys will be like, some of you guys will be like, yeah, and other of you guys will be like, I'm leaving this church, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. But we have these slogans. Why? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves, right? It's easy to create a division by saying us versus them. Why? Because when we do that, it makes us feel good. It makes us look good. It makes us feel like we could go on with our lives without really dealing with the issue of division. So Jesus is hanging out there. He's casting out demons. A group of people came in, these religious rulers came in, Pharisees, and said, you guys, I think Jesus is working with the devil. And Jesus is like, you guys are so wrong. You're just embarrassing yourselves, right? And at this point, I could just imagine Jesus leaning in and saying, guys, that's not how you solve this problem. This is not how you fix division. Division is not fixed by casting out the other half of the, pro- of the group of people, right? It's not, this, like, this doesn't solve problems. And Jesus will explain a little, little bit later why. When he just casts out the problem, that something worse could happen. And we'll get to that when we get there. So Jesus continues his teaching. He says this, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, and this is a reference to Exodus 8. You don't have to read it. But basically what he's saying is, if I could prove to you that I'm not working with the devil, but I'm actually working as a direct messenger of God himself, if I could prove that to you, 
he says, then, then it says this, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What he's saying is, is he's like, I'm going to fundamentally change the way that you see that diagram. Because it's not about us versus them. It's not about God versus demons, right? And he says, because I've seen your people try to cast out demons. And at this point, Jesus is like, I'm going to start talking about this more in a metaphorical way. He's like, I see you guys casting out demons, right? But when you guys are doing that, you have one goal in mind. Okay, and this is what their goal is. The Pharisees' goal was to cast out evil. They're like, we're going to do everything we can to cast out this demon. But he's not just talking about demon possession, exorcism. He's also talking about people we disagree with. There's a group of people there who are tax collectors. They are sinners. The best thing we could think of is just cast them, cast them out. Then our city will be a little bit better for having less evil people. Oh, look at those, those prostitutes. Let's just cast them out, okay? Because when we cast them out, that's less evil in this town, so we're a better city for it. You see, this is the way that they thought. And in, quite frankly, that's how we think a lot of times. Let's get rid of the evil, right? <laughs> if you believe in these things, if you stand politically on these issues in this way, get out of here because then we could have our holy huddle and we're going to be fine because that's less evil in this group. That's the way the Pharisees thought, and quite frankly, I think that's how a lot of us think about how we solve divisions. But in that verse that we just read, Jesus is saying something else. He says, but when I cast out evil, my goal is to usher in the kingdom. You see, there's a difference between casting out evil and bringing heaven on earth. There's a huge difference between the two. You see, casting out evil is saying, things I don't like, things I disagree with, you're out of here. Bringing in the kingdom of God is basically saying, you're not an enemy. You're my friend. Let's talk it out. Let's have a discussion around this. Maybe we could learn to agree to disagree, you know, and still love each other. You know, he's saying the way that the kingdom of God works is not just casting out evil. It's better than that. And so, like I said, Jesus saw this exorcism story as a metaphor for how they deal, how they dealt with division. He's like, okay, this, this thing is perfect. It's like, I see, I see exorcism happening here. Okay, so he's like, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson based on what just happened right now, right? And he's like, and this is, I'm going to use this as a metaphor. And as a matter of fact, this idea that this story here is going to become a metaphor is not just my opinion. Uh, scholar N.T. Wright, he says this. He says, the point of Jesus' exorcism was not simply to heal as many individuals as possible. If that were his aim... He wasn't very successful when, when seen in a longer, ter- longer term. Rather, he was aiming to enact God's kingdom for Israel and for the world. He says, Jesus wasn't just casting out demons because he thought, that's my mission in life. If there's demon-possessed people, then I'm going to cast every single one out. He's like, if that was his mission, then he probably failed because in the long term, these people who, you know, like, there weren't that many people he cast out. And he's like, I don't think that was his main mission. What he's saying is, what he's doing here is he's trying to teach us a lesson. And this is the lesson he's trying to teach us. So let's look at this diagram again. He says, when it comes to this division, a lot of times us versus them, we like to think that God is on our side and whoever them is, is where God is not. Like in every war we fight, we're like, God bless America because, you know, God is on our side, but God is not on the other side. You know, like in everything that we do, we think, you know, um, I stand on this truth because God is on my side and everybody who disagrees with me, of the devil. You know, right? We always think that God is on our side because... It just makes us feel better to think that God is on our side. And so if if we were to ask, hey, Jesus, in this dialogue, which side do you stand? Are you on our side or are you on their side? And Jesus' response is, I don't play that game. I don't play that game. 
don't try to put me on a side. If anything, Jesus would say this. I'm on both sides. You know why? Because I love all people. Just because people have a different opinion about something doesn't make me love them less. And I know some opinions sound evil, and it is evil. It's like, even though people are racist at times, I still love those racists. I love people, right? I don't agree with what they believe in, but I still love them. It's like, which political party do you stand on? Jesus says, I don't play that game. On both sides of the party, there's people that, there's some policies I agree with, I disagree with, but I love them both, people-wise, because I'm on the side of loving people. So it's like, don't put me on a side because I'm on my own side. And my side, Team Jesus, is I love all people. Yep, everybody here is, an, is part of that, all people. Right? He, he, Jesus is basically saying, I want the whole thing. Don't just give me half. I want the whole thing. And then you're like, well, okay, well, Jesus is on everybody's side. Then which side is a demon on? And when Jesus talks about this metaphorically, he says, do you want to know which side of this game the demon plays on? Jesus is implying this. The demon is actually the line that divides us. So the demon's not playing sides. He's the one that's creating sides. So, for example, if us, we have an ego problem. I want to make sure that it's all about me. The demon will use that as a way for you to create a line. If you have insecurities, the demon will try to use that for you to draw lines to keep yourself safe. If you have some issues with discomfort, like there's a group of people that makes me feel uncomfortable, the demon will use that and say, okay, then maybe you should draw a thick, fat line right down there so that you don't mix with them. If you say, hey, you know, I have some past scars that I can't get over, it's like demon will use that and say, I'm going to try to use that to make sure that there's a division amongst the people that God calls his people. The demon is actually the line that divides us. He's the one that uses our past and our insecurities, our, our brokenness, he uses that to create division in the world. And Jesus says, that line right there you're creating doesn't really exist. I love you both. You guys are playing this game that I don't play. I love both sides equally. Come on, just come to me because if you come to me, we'll be together. But instead the demon says, no, 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 no. You guys are so different from each other. You guys can't agree or disagree. We're going to draw a line between you two because that's the way you maintain peace. Then at this point, Jesus starts to tell a parable. And this is a very short parable, but it's packed with meaning, and we don't have time to break it down. So after I read this parable, I'm going to give you the translation for what it means right after. This is how it goes. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his positions are safe. And by strong man, he's referring to the devil here. He's like, there's a strong guy, who, you know. Um, but when someone stronger, that's Jesus, attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the splendor. So what he's saying here, okay, if you're wondering, because we don't have time to break this down, is this. He's saying this. Jesus has won an initial victory over the Satan and is now able to give orders to his demons. This is why Jesus is able to cast demons out. He's able to tell a demon, just get out of the person he's able to come out because Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has proven himself to be stronger than, the, I, I call it the Satan because Satan is not a name, it's a title. Okay, but he says to the Satan, he says, I've already had victory over you. I'm stronger than you, right? So I'm just going to tell the demon to, ca- to leave the person and they leave. That's how I do it, right? Okay, so going back to this diagram, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, 
um, I want you to get out of him, right? And so he's, so next slide. So he's like, yeah, I could just tell the demon to leave. And I could cast out evil just like that. I have the ability to do that. I have the authority to do that, right? And so at this point, Jesus says this. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. He says, if you're on team Jesus, then you embrace both sides. So if you're with me, right, then we're together. We're gathered together, right? But if you're not with me, that means you're taking sides, and you guys will eventually scatter. So he's saying you've got to be careful whose side you take. When you see a division amongst yourselves, you better make sure you look to Jesus first before you look at who's right and who's wrong, because if you keep taking sides— you guys will eventually scatter. He says, be very careful. Then Jesus continues. He says this, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. So he's using this metaphor again. He says, when a person has a demon inside of him and you cast it out, the demon goes out. So you can just imagine a demon coming out, right? And it's looking for a new host. It's looking like, oh, where should I stay? Where should I stay? right? And it's like, you know what? Let me go back to the place I came from to see how that looks, okay? And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So he's saying, when Jesus is able to cast out demons, but he says, but that's not the whole story, because casting out a demon in itself might solve the problem for that moment, but in the future, it could actually get worse. Here, next slide. So he says, after I remove the demon out of this whole picture, right? This is what happens if you just cast out the demon, but just leave it as, as that. This is what happens. The demon comes back, but this time the division's even greater. Sure, you cast out the division of race. Okay, that's great. But now you're divided over something else, something even greater. Politics. You know, it could be who your favorite artist is, what genre of music, if, if country music should be considered music at all, you know, like whatever it might be. There's different things that you're going to find reasons to divide over, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, right? So he's, so like I said, in this metaphor that Jesus is teaching, he's saying there's a lot here that you need to consider. It's not just about casting out evil from a person or from a group. or It's not just about removing division. Because just removing division and all these things doesn't accomplish that much. It might actually lead to something worse. N.T. Wright, same scholar, he says this. This can't be a warning about the likely effects of exorcism in Jesus' teaching. If it was, it would be better not to do them at all since the poor person ends up worse off than before. Right? Like Jesus isn't really teaching about how to cast demons out because if that's the case, then he's giving really bad advice. Next slide. Then he says, Israel, like a demon-possessed man, had been cleansed by various movements of reform. But unless the living presence of God came to dwell in her midst, Israel would remain vulnerable and return of the demons. This is what he's saying. And I'm going to get a little Bible nerdy here. So if you're not following so far, then this might confuse you more. If you look at the history of Israel, okay, there's been invasion after invasion after invasion. First, a group of people called the Assyrians came and invaded Israel. And they did everything they could to cast out that evil. And when they thought their hands were clean, a bigger invasion came, the Babylonians. And so they're trying to, okay, well, let's get rid of that. And they prayed and prayed and they got rid of that evil. And after that, the Persians came in and invaded their land. And, and they prayed and prayed and they did everything. And they're trying to figure out why is God allowing this to happen. And they eventually cast that out. 
And then the Greeks came in. And they're like, well, this is worse than the last. This is seven times worse than the last one. And they do everything they can to get rid of the Greeks, but then the Romans come in. And the scholar N.T. Wright, what he's saying here is, what Jesus is teaching here is not just about exorcism. What he's teaching about is the patterns of humanity throughout the history of Israel and and throughout our history. We do everything we can to get rid of the evils in our world. But in doing so, we're moving empires out. We're moving evil people out. We're trying to cast out people who disagree with us. We're doing all these things only to find out that something worse comes in and fills its place. So he's saying casting out evil is not the entire story. Casting out tax collectors is not the entire story. Removing, uh, taking the, the a group of people from our own group that we disagree with, that we consider to be evil out of our lives, is not the answer. Remember, the Pharisees were concerned about casting out evil, and that was it. Jesus is concerned about bringing heaven on earth. And there's a big difference between that. Because the kingdom of God, the heaven on earth, means reconciliation. It's forgiveness. It's tolerance. It's saying we're different, and that's okay. That just actually makes us stronger for being different from each other. The solution to division is not only casting out the problem. Jesus teaches us that we have to proactively, next slide, we need to proactively invite Jesus into our divisions. Jesus says, the, t- the problem here is that you guys are trying to get rid of me because I disagree with you. Going back to the original problem here, right? And he says, you're doing it wrong. The way you solve division is not by casting out the people that make you look bad. That's not how you fix it. The way you fix it the way that God would fix it is by bringing heaven on earth, by putting Jesus in the midst of that. You know, when my, my family, when we moved into our home, it was like a dream home. We're like, hey, this is cool. Let's live here. This is great, right? And then uh, there was like a, a time that we went on vacation and then we went to family camp. And then when we got back, there was this long trail of ants that was coming from the outside all the way to the fridge. And we opened the fridge and all these ants were dead in there. And it's like, oh, they found a way into the fridge and they killed themselves. That's great, right? And so I remember we, were, we came home in the late evening. We were so tired. And so we pulled out, what is it? Like, was it Windex? Four, 409? Yeah. And we just spraying, you know, and killing all the ants. And all the ant loaves are like, oh, you demon. It's like, no. Okay. So we started wiping down the floor and the floor smelled really good, you know. And we we're like, we got rid of the problem. We wiped out all the ants. We're good. Next morning, more ants. And so we do the same thing. We spray it down. We wipe it away. And we're like, okay, problem solved. Next day, even more ants. We're like, why are these ants here? Like, why do they keep coming back? And we discovered is at night when we're tired, we eat and we put the dishes like in the sink and we don't wash it, right? Or our kids, they eat and they leave crumbs on the floor that we don't even see. And we don't wipe the floor down every night. And what we realized is if you want to get rid of the ant problem, we have to actually get good at wiping down the floor every night, washing, okay, by we, I mean my wife, she actually does, all the, she does a great job of it, but, but what we discovered is the problem is not the ants, the problem goes deeper than that, the problem is the little crumbs that we left on the ground, it's the dishes that were unwashed, it was all these other things in the house that was causing these ants to come into our lives, this is exactly what Jesus is saying, he's saying the problem isn't that the demon-possessed people that you like to say, ah, demon-possessed, ah, demon-possessed, ah, they're evil, we're good, they're bad, it's like, that's not the problem, The problem 
is that you're not inviting Jesus into those things that need Jesus in there. So here's a diagram. So what he's saying here is, if you remove the demon, right? If you were to say there's no us, there's no us and them, let's remove that barrier. If you leave it like that, another demon's going to come in its place and divide you guys. So what he's saying is, what you need to do is this. You need to invite Jesus into the middle of all this. He's like, when you invite me into it, next slide, he says, then we all become part of the same family. This is what the body of Christ is, right? There's people who are different. There's people who say, hey, I'm good at certain things. I think this is the best sport in the world. And there's people over here who are like, I'm not athletic at all. And Jesus comes in the middle and says, we need both of you in this family because now we're stronger for it because we have somebody who's good at one thing and there's a person that's good at another thing. There's a person who has one opinion. There's a person with another opinion. So we have both sides of the argument right here in our midst so we know exactly where people stand in the world. Like, we're better for being different. There's no room in the body of Christ for us versus them. With Jesus in the midst, there's only us. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you guys... Stop just casting out the people who make you look bad and start embracing people by bringing Jesus into the middle of it. Then maybe we could have this kingdom of of heaven here on earth in our midst right now. And as Jesus was teaching this, and I love this part, this is why we conclude. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. This is their way back then of saying, Ooh, your mama baby is so proud of you. You know, like he, this is their way of saying, you are so amazing, you're so wise, your mom should be so proud of you. Now, the reason why this is so important coming from a woman is because, remember, in those days, women had very little worth. And so for her to listen to this, she's understanding, like, Jesus, if what you're saying is true, this has huge implications on us as women. Because we live in a world where men cast out women for feeling like they're inferior than us. But what you're saying is true. Then there might come a day in the future where we're actually equals. So that's why, Jesus, what you said right now, bless your mom. She's probably really like proud of you, huh? And Jesus' response is this. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. He said, you just heard a word straight from God. Don't just listen to it and go home and think, oh, that was a great sermon. Go home and actually live it out. When you see division, be participants in bringing Jesus into the midst of that so that the walls start to crumble. It's like, you want to be blessed? My mom, yeah, sure, she's blessed for having me, I guess, right? But you know what's a greater breath blessing? people who actually are participants in the solution for this division that we see in the world. Jesus is saying, Pharisees, you guys missed the point. It's not about which organization outlasts the other one. It's not about which organization is right and which one's wrong. It's not about, is this political group better than the other group? It's not about who's right and who's wrong. What he's saying, it's not about us versus them. It's about, if you're on Team Jesus, that means that you're for the world. You're for the people, whether if they disagree with you or agree with you, if they are doing things that, they, that are destructive to themselves or not, you're still for them. You might not have to agree with what they're doing, but to say, you know what, regardless of where you do, what you do or what you believe, I love you anyways because I'm on Jesus' side. He says, if you do that, 
then he said, you will be blessed. Amen? All right, let's pray.